0: I want to ask you this question today. Is what you're living for worth dying for? Leonard Ravenhill, he quoted this before, and I'm quoting it again. Is what you're living for worth dying for? It's such a, a powerful question. And I'm going to ask you that several times today. And I, I want to encourage you to really ask that question, not to brush it aside, but to truly ask, is what I am living for worth dying for? Is it worth your your all? Is it worth the life that you have? You know, uh, the saying is there's, there's only two things certain in life, death and taxes. And uh, COVID-19 has definitely shown us that COVID-19, the lockdowns, the first wave, the second wave, the challenges that have been happening here, uh, they really do remind us that our lives are so fragile and so fickle and everything can be taken away in just a moment. See, I work for an incredible ministry called Youth for Christ. We share the hope of Jesus with young people and um, we also equip young people uh, that have hope to go out and to share hope themselves, to share the love and life of Jesus. And normally I'm flying all over the country, even around the world, sharing about Jesus because he changed my whole life. I was a drunk suicidal mess at the age of 19 and now I am loving life. I've got three children and the difference that made the difference uh, was Jesus. And yet in everything that I that I do, my normal day-to-day ministry, it's all changed. Now it's a whole lot of Zoom meetings. I am so over Zoom. as many of you, maybe as well. I'm sure we're thankful. Uh, even my, my neighbor, she's a little, you would say that she's a senior citizen. She's a bit of an older lady. She The only contact that she has, and I know that this is true for many of you, is through things like Zoom, doing a Zoom Bible study with her church. And uh, what has happened is my world has been disrupted, and I'm on Zoom, and that's my reality. And I've been thinking about, wow, everything can be taken so quickly. As I was driving into the studio today, um, I drove past a food relief uh, bank, a place where people are lining up to get their food. And we are talking about a Sunday morning at around 9.30am and there was a long line out the door and it was a sobering reminder for me. And I know many of you are going through, through hard times. Some of you may not be, but there are many that are. It was a sobering reminder that everything can change in a moment and we can lose our jobs. We can, uh, we, can, you know, we can have our worlds completely disrupted. And so I've been on this journey during lockdown. I've got a bit of a confession to make. I've been on this journey and I've actually come to a point where I've realized that I don't actually know if some of the things I fight for, some of the things that I live for are actually as valuable as what I could be living for, what I could be fighting for. I think that sometimes you and and sometimes I and and maybe all of us, we we can prioritize politics and positions over people and our eternal purpose. I'll say that again. We can prioritize politics and positions over people and our eternal purpose. And we can jump into these causes and we will go after them. We will we will fight. We will fight for our political stance or our position, or I'm right, and you know, and this is my opinion, and these are my rights, and this is, and we will trample over our our fellow man and woman. We'll trample over those around us just to stand um, for these causes. That I actually think, in the end, at least my journey has been, in the end, they actually don't necessarily matter for eternity. And I've been questioning, I've been asking, I've been thinking about how I want to be known. What do I want to be known as? I want to be known as someone that when people, when you know, if everything was taken away, people would look at me and say, that man, he lives a full life, full of love, all about the gospel of Jesus, which I'll un- unpack what the gospel is as we go today. For some of you, gospel may be an unfamiliar word, but it is, I believe, the gospel of Jesus, the love of Jesus, what Jesus did when he came to this earth, is actually what we should be known for. Uh, that is the most important thing. We can go, don't you see it on social media? If, if you're on social media, you'd see it all the time. One day someone will post something like, you know, all we need is love. And the next day they'll post something about, uh, you know, their, their political stance, whether it's, you know, whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask, whether you should vote for this person or not vote for that person, whether you, you know. And someone disagrees with them and they just eat them alive for breakfast. You just see them just, just typing, you, just the fury. I wonder when they're typing, is there smoke coming off their hands because there's, we can get so aggressive towards our fellow man and woman because they disagree with us. Uh, I heard a funny thing. I was listening to a message from a friend uh, the other day and he said, um, you know, we say you got to love your neighbor as yourself. This was a, an American gentleman. He said, "You got to love your neighbor as as yourself, but you've also got to be armed so that you can kill them." <laughs> and I went, "Oh my goodness, really?" And it was it's this this irony of the Bible that I read says that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, and yet um, if they get in the way of our politics or our positions, well, that's it. The gloves are off. I don't want to be known as someone that was always right but ruined relationship. I don't want to be known as someone that that took these stands but actually stood on the backs of other people and and crushed them into the ground. I want to be known as someone full of love. And I've been asking this question, is what I'm living for worth dying for? When all is stripped away, what am I living for? And that's the question I want to ask you today. You know, I had a, a work meeting this week and I had a meeting with, with one of my colleagues and we, we just had a little bit of, a little bit of tension in the meeting. Well, after the meeting, uh, I got in the car and I began to cry and I thought, why am I crying? And the reason I was crying is because I just loved, I love my work colleague and I don't want there to be that tension there. I want to be a, a man full of love, full of love for everyone that I encounter. I have landed as I've been wrestling as I've been journaling as I've been praying through lockdown realizing that everything can be stripped away in a moment. I have been praying and I've been asking God, God, what what matters most? And I'm convinced that the answer is The gospel, And like I said, I know that there are people that will be listening right now. You might be listening right now. You're not familiar with prayer. You're not familiar with the gospel. I'll do my best to walk you through that. Prayer, I will say this about prayer, um, and I'll get into the gospel a little bit more later. Prayer is simply talking to God like you would a friend. And so that's what I've been doing is I believe that God is there. He listens. He hears you. He loves you. He wants to know you. He actually created you. And you can speak to him at any time. And so I've been speaking to him, God, God, you know, search my heart. What, what is the thing? What is the thing that you put me on this planet for? Why do I exist? And I'm convinced that I exist to love God and to love people. In fact, uh, in the Bible, which is, uh, as I mentioned before, is this incredible book. It's actually a book that has changed my life. I encourage you to get one. Um, and it's, it's a book that speaks of the history of God's people and speaks of the history of uh, what God has done in the earth and even speaks into the future of what God will do and what God is doing. And the Bible recalls a story of Jesus. And Jesus, uh, I believe, is the Son of God. I believe that he actually was sent for us uh, to become one of us, to save us. It's just the most incredible, uh, incredible life that he lived. And, and Jesus obviously being s- central to the Christian faith, uh, he's walking around um, earth 2,000 years ago, and this teacher comes up to him. This is in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. This teacher comes up to him. Uh, he's actually a, a lawyer, and we all know lawyers are very good at asking questions. And he comes and he says this to test Jesus. He says, hey, teacher, they, they called Jesus um, teacher. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law And the prophets says on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so if you want to know what, what is Christianity? What is the Bible all about? What was Jesus all about? If you remember nothing else, it's this, that it's all about loving God with your everything and loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God with your everything and loving your neighbor as yourself. And it's so interesting that we can get into such big debates. Um, if, if you call yourself a Christian, you, you may be familiar with this. We'll, we'll have a debate about how you should baptize someone. We'll have a debate about you know how you should uh, how you should take communion, We'll have it and we will fight on these doctrines and yet forget the words of Jesus when he was asked what's the most important thing. Hey it's actually to love God, to love me, to love God with everything you have. And to love your neighbor as yourself is what you are living for worth dying for is what you are fighting for worth dying for some of us are living for 600 square meters that's what we're living for we we go out into the garden on the weekend and we we just we we manicure the lawn and we trim the hedges and I tell you what if my neighbors don't respect my property it's all on you know and I've seen it. We we had a, a moment with our neighbours where we have a shared driveway and I said to our neighbours, look, I'd like to fix the driveway. Oh, the drama that came up and I, you know what I said? I said, I don't want to touch that driveway if it affects our relationship. You matter more to me as a neighbour and as a person than my position on whether or not the driveway gets fixed. I said, let's just leave it. We do not want to prioritize our politics and our positions over people and our eternal purpose. You, my friend, were created to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else should take second place. My son, uh, I have these incredible children. uh, One, he's seven years old. I have a four-year-old turning five this week, and I have a one-year-old. And my oldest son, he comes out with the most insightful things and he says over dinner last night, Dad, why do you spend your precious time in the garden when you could be spending it with us? Oh, talk about a stab to the heart. Um, But it was so insightful and so relevant for what we're talking about today. What, What are you going to use your precious time for? How are you going to invest this one life you have? You have one life. And in the end, everything else is just fluff. It's just extras. It's just you know what? I like doing my gardening, but I last night I sat there and I said, I will not do gardening at the expense of loving my son. And so uh, I want to encourage you today. This is uh, this is meant to be an encouraging word. I know it can come across as oh gee, he's asking me to examine my life. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage you to say, hey, friend, you know what? You could really focus on the things that are worth dying for in this life. You could focus on the things that really matter. And, you know, whether I have a bumper tomato crop or not, (laughs) that does not matter compared to whether or not I sat with my son and taught him about the love of God, played Lego with him, chased him through the house and had fun with him um, and, and showed him what does it look like to have a good father? Because I'm made in the image of God. He's made in the image of God and he needs to see the love of the father um, through my life. What, do, what are you living for? What are you living for? You know what, that, that house, that car, they're not bad, but they can be taken away as we've seen. That job, it can be taken away. COVID-19 has reminded us the lockdowns, the reality of what's happened, anything can be taken away in the moment. Even the, the arguably the, the world's most powerful person, uh, Donald Trump, the, the President Donald Trump was diagnosed uh, just a couple of days ago with COVID-19 and he's now in a hospital and again and again, we are reminded, you know what? You can climb that ladder. You can climb the ladder of politics. You can climb the ladder of money. You can climb the ladder of fame. But in the end, what will you have left? If you don't have love, if you don't have the peace of Jesus, then do you really have anything at all? First Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 3. This is also in the Bible. You can do a quick search on Google if you're in front of your computer or have a look on the app or maybe you've got an old-fashioned paper Bible. We're in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had prophetic powers and understood all mysteries and all knowledge, If I have all faith as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. A modern translation might be like this. (laughs) If I make my point on Facebook but I do not love, I have nothing. If I gain all the property, in my portfolio to make myself rich and feel safe and important, but I don't gain love, then I've gained nothing. If I make myself look as good as I can, but I don't have love on the inside in my heart, then really I have nothing. I want to encourage you, friend, that you can live, you can live a life worth dying for. You can live a life of significance, of true eternal purpose if you will live this life through the lens of Jesus, through the lens of love, through the lens of the gospel. We're going to have a look at another passage in scripture and I've got three things that I think could really help you. I think you and I, we all want to live the good life. We all want to live a life that is uh, full of love that's full of purpose that's full of um, of eternal significance and this this gentleman Peter in the Bible he was uh, one of Jesus' followers when Jesus was around um, he wrote some great advice to you and I three things that I think could really help us so I'm going to read uh, a few verses here as well that will really help you so we're in first Peter chapter 3 verses 10 to 12 says this here it says for whoever desires to love life and see good days let him keep his tongue from evil his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good and let him seek peace and pursue it it could say let her as well Uh, often the writers in the bible they would say him but they were addressing uh, her as well so for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him or her keep his tongue from evil, his or her tongue, and his or her lips from speaking deceit. Let him or her turn away from evil and do good, and let him or her seek peace and pursue it. I'm going to break down those, uh, those pointers that Peter gives us into three easy steps. The first one is this. Peter's saying, hey, if you want to live this good life, if you want to live this life of of purpose, of significance, watch your words. Watch your words. The way he puts it is keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Watch your words. You know, your words, the best way to watch your words is actually to guard your heart. Your words will come out of your heart. Don't let Bitterness and unforgiveness and comparison and all of these things seep into your heart because if they do, they will come out of your mouth at some point. You know, often uh, we're like a a cup of of water or a cup of coffee and whatever we're filled up with, when someone bumps us, that's what's going to spill out. So I want to encourage you, um, there is a battle going on. There is a battle going on for your heart. And uh, I do believe that there is a devil. There is a God and there's a devil. And the devil does not like you because he doesn't like God. And you remind him of God because you're made in his image. And he will come at you and he will say, you know what, you shouldn't forgive that person. You need to stand up for these rights and take that person on. And you need to this and you need to that. Don't you give the devil an opportunity to plant bitterness, hatred and division and unforgiveness in your heart. And if it's in your heart right now, Bring it to Jesus. Let it go. Bring it to God. Like I said, you can pray. You can speak to God. God, I don't want this anger and bitterness in my heart. Take it away. God, I want to forgive this person. Help me to forgive them. Give me that strength. You can actually bring that to God. So watch your words. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Choose good over evil. Peter puts it this way. Turn away from evil and do good. So choose good over evil. You know, you and I, we have a choice. We have a choice to make every single day. Are we going to choose good? Are we going to choose evil? And I want to encourage you that because of Jesus and because of the strength that he can give you, because of the Holy Spirit that he can give you, and I'll, I'll touch on, on how that happens in a moment. Because of that, you actually can overcome, you can have victory and you can choose good over evil. There's a a verse in the Bible that says, as he is, so we in this world. And it's talking about Jesus. It's saying that you can actually live a life like Jesus lived, choosing good over evil. Jesus himself was tempted in every way and yet he did not sin. You can be tempted, but you can choose not to sin. The third thing is this and this is really kind of my my main point. I've got a story and a song for you and then I'm going to pray for you but it's this pursue peace pursue peace. Peter puts it this way, let him seek peace and pursue it. Pursue peace. You know what? Uh, I was in a in the playground the the other day. Thank God here in Melbourne we're starting to get back out into playgrounds and that's just a wonderful thing to be able to get back to the park. And I saw this mother and she was looking for her daughter. She'd lost her daughter in the in the park. It was a big park. We were down at Lilydale Lake. Some of you may be familiar with it. And we're down there and she lost her daughter. And you could see that she was not going to stop looking until she had found her daughter because her daughter mattered so much to her. You could see she was on a pursuit to find her daughter. Peace, my friend, peace is one of those things that we should be desperate for. We should not stop until we get it. And the funny thing is, so many of us are so aware of that and you see that. You see people jogging and they are jogging and jogging and jogging and some of them, I look at them and I say, you don't need to lose any weight. Why are you jogging? What are you running for? And I wonder whether they're running because they just cannot quite get that perfect body and they need it. Because if I get a perfect body, I'll have peace. Or if I have enough money, I'll have peace. Or if I get enough followers, I'll have peace. Or if I can just get revenge on that person, then finally I'll get peace. Pursue peace. You know you need to pursue peace. You're pursuing it in one way or another. It might be Netflix. It might be Candy Crush. It might be, I don't know what it is, but you're looking for peace. But I would encourage you, pursue peace in the right place. Pursue peace in the right place. We will only find true peace. I believe this with all my heart. It's my story. I was desperate. I was drinking. I was clubbing. I was partying. I was doing everything I could to try and escape, to try and get some sense of peace. I believe with all of my heart, the only way you will get true peace is if you have peace with God. Pursue peace with God. Pursue peace with others. Pursue peace with yourself. Jesus is the only one, the only one, in the world that can take away your sin. He's the only one that can deal with that incredible brokenness that all of us can feel. Uh, The reality is God made the world perfect, but we turned our backs on God. We broke the perfection that was meant to be this world and meant to be our lives. That's so evident. If you turn on the news, you can see it. The world is broken. And Jesus came as God's representative to earth to restore you. He died and he rose again. And he died because the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the penalty of your sin, the penalty of the, the brokenness that you have chosen is death. He died so that you wouldn't have to pay that penalty. If you get a, a fine right now for maybe going outside without a mask on, I heard of someone, they went to get fish and chips and they popped out of their car and they didn't have their mask on and bam, just like that, they got a fine. I feel for them, I really do. That's some expensive fish and chips, walking from the car to the fish and chips. You know what? The the government, they demand that you pay that fine. I think it's around $1,500 these days. I'm not quite sure. They, they keep going up. But the government demands that that payment is made. Do you know what? They don't care who pays it. They just want it to be paid. And that was the same for you and I when it comes to sin. See, if you handed me that fine and I put it on my credit card, in the eyes of the government, you're good, you're clear, you're squared. It's done. And our sin demanded a payment. The payment was death. It was actually our lives. And yet God loved you so much that he sent his own son and he died for you and he rose again. And if you'll believe in that, if you'll receive that gift, that free gift that he gave you, you can actually live an eternal life. You can live life and life to the full and you can receive God's spirit. It's such an such an interesting thing. And I encourage you, if you've got any questions, please text into the station. Uh, please uh, give us a phone call if you'd like. Um, I want to encourage you that, God, he is so real and he wants to be with you and he will not leave you alone. The Bible says that he promises to send his spirit. And if you, will, uh, if you will receive what Jesus has done, he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit and you'll never be alone. The punishment, says this in Isaiah 53, 5, The punishment that brought us peace was on him. On Jesus. The punishment that bought us peace was on Jesus. Friend, I want to encourage you, if you're wanting to live a life worth dying for, a life full of purpose, a life full of love for others and for God, then you are going to need peace in your life. Because without peace, you're going to keep trying to fill yourself up with every other thing and it will get in the way. It will become an obstacle. To you being able to be who you were created to be—a lover of God and a lover of others—you need peace, and Jesus will bring that peace. So I remember uh, sitting with a friend uh, over in Southeast Asia; was a new friend of mine, and uh, he was from a different faith, and he, we were we were talking about what what can about the the assurance of whether you are going to go to heaven or not, and he said this to me. He said. I don't know if when I die I'll go to heaven because I don't know what to do with my sin, with my brokenness, with the evil that I've done. I don't know what to do with that. And he said, you know, in in my religion, the way that, that things work is basically you have to earn your way. You have to be good enough for God and you have to do more good than bad and then maybe you'll get into heaven. But I don't know whether I could ever do more good Than the bad that I've done. And I remember sitting with him and I said, friend, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage you as you're listening right now. I said this to him and I say it to you. I want to encourage you that the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And I said this to him, you can be guaranteed that you'll be saved, that you'll go to heaven, that the Spirit of God will be with you here on earth, that you can live this life to the fullest if you will believe in Jesus. And right then and there, I watched as this man who had, he told me he was—he would drink, he would fight, he would rob, he would, did all this evil. I watched as this man prayed and said, God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my evil ways. I turn to you. And I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. And I watched as he was filled with peace. And that is my hope for you today. Is what you're living for worth dying for? Do you have the peace of Jesus that enables you to love God with everything and to love your neighbour as yourself? Or are you stuck living for things that are less than your eternal purpose? Friend, today you can make the decision to turn to Jesus. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to to take a moment to pray for you right now. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to be known for the gospel, if you want to be known for love, then I'd invite you to pray with me. And maybe you've been living your life for something less than the gospel. Maybe you've been fighting the wrong fights. Maybe you've been dying on the wrong hill. And I want to encourage you that God is always there. He's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth, chances. In fact, the Bible says someone asked Jesus, they said, how many times should I forgive my enemy? And he basically said infinite times. He said seven times, seven times, seven. His point was keep forgiving. And that's the heart of God. He is a forgiving God and he wants to receive you as his son and as his daughter. And he wants to fill you with purpose. And so there's always a second chance for you just as New life has been breathed into my old guitar from an op shop. And so let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for my friend. I thank you for my beautiful, incredible, amazing, loved friend who's listening right now. And I pray, God, that you would fill them with purpose as they think about their words, as they think about their choices, as they think about peace, eternal peace. I pray that you would give them your peace. I pray for my friends that maybe yet haven't followed you. Maybe they haven't given their life to you. And I ask that you would meet with them. And I want to encourage you, if that's you right now, just pray this prayer with me. Father God, I want to say sorry for going my own way. I want to invite your Holy Spirit to live with me. I believe that Jesus did pay the penalty for me. And I thank you for that. And I ask that you would live with me, that you would lead and guide me all the days of my life. I am choosing you from now on. Amen.